the rumours of the dollar's death are much exaggerated. It is the season of dollar panic. These panic mongers are varied. Gold bugs, fiscal hawks and many others agree that the dollar, the dominant currency since the First World War, is on its deathbed. Hyperinflationary collapse is in store. Does this make sense? No. All the same, the dollar-based global monetary system is defective. It will be good to start building alternative arrangements. We should start with what is not happening. In the recent panic, the children ran to their mother, even though her mistakes did so much to cause the crisis. The dollar's value rose. As confidence has again returned, this has reversed. The dollar jumped 20% between July 2008 and March of this year. Since then, it has lost much of its gains. Thus, the dollar's fall is a symptom of success, not of failure. Can we find deeper signs that the world is abandoning the U.S. currency? One beloved indicator is the price of gold, which has risen fourfold since the early 2000s. But its price is a dubious indicator of inflation risks. Its previous peak was in January 1980, just before inflation was crushed. Higher prices of gold reflect fear, not fact. The fear is not widely shared. The U.S. government can borrow at 4.2% over 30 years and 3.4% over 10 years. During the crisis, the inflation expectations implied by the gap in yields between conventional and inflation-protected securities collapsed. These have since recovered. Yet another sign of policy success but they are still below where they were before the crisis. The immediate danger, given excess capacity in the US and the world, is deflation, not inflation. The dollar's correction is not just natural, it is helpful. It will lower the risk of deflation in the US and facilitate the correction of the global imbalances that helped cause the crisis. I agree with a forthcoming article by Fred Bergson of the Peterson Institute for International Economics that, I quote, Huge inflows of foreign capital to the U.S. facilitated the over-leveraging and underpricing of risk. End of quote. Even those who are skeptical of this agree that the U.S. needs export-led growth now. Finally, what can replace the dollar? Unless and until China removes exchange controls and develops deep and liquid financial markets, probably a generation away, the euro is the dollar's only serious competitor. At present, 65% of the world's reserves are in dollars and 25% in euros. Yes, there could be some shift, but it is likely to be slow. The eurozone also has high fiscal deficits and debts. The dollar will exist 30 years from now. The euro's fate is unavoidably less certain. This view may be too complacent. The danger of a collapse of the dollar is small, and of its replacement by another currency still smaller. But a global monetary system that rests on the currency of a single country is problematic for both issuer and users. The risks are also growing, particularly since the emergence of Bretton Woods II, the practice of managing exchange rates against the dollar. In the 1960s, Robert Triffin, a Belgian-American economist, argued that a global monetary system based on the dollar had a flaw, the increased liquidity the world sought would require current account deficits in the U.S. 
but sooner or later the overhang of monetary liabilities would undermine confidence in the key currency. This view, known as the Triffin Dilemma, proved prescient. The Bretton Woods system fell in 1971. Strictly speaking, reserves could be created if the key currency country merely borrowed short-term and lent long-term. But in practice, the demand for reserves has generated current account deficits in the issuing country. In a floating exchange rate regime, reserve accumulations should also be unnecessary. But after the financial crises of the 1990s, emerging countries decided they needed to pursue export-led growth and insure themselves against crises. As a direct result, three-quarters of the world's currency reserves have been accumulated in just this decade. Yet this very search for stability risks creating long-run instability. Indeed, Chinese policymakers are worried about the risk to the value of their vast dollar holdings that, on Triffin's logic, their own policy exacerbates. U.S. policymakers may repeat the strong dollar mantra, but this is an aspiration without an instrument. Relevant policies made by the Federal Reserve, which has no mandate to preserve the dollar's external value. The only way China's policymakers can preserve the domestic value of external holdings is to support the dollar without limit, which compromises China's domestic monetary stability and will surely prove self-defeating in the end. At this point, the widespread concerns about U.S. monetary stability and the dollar's external role converge. A standard recommendation on the former is to preserve both the independence of the Federal Reserve and ensure long-run fiscal solvency. If the fear grows that either or worse both is in danger, a self-fulfilling crisis might ensue. The dollar could tumble and long-term interest rates soar. In such a crisis, it might be feared, a less-than-independent Federal Reserve will be compelled to buy public debt, and that would then accelerate the flight from the dollar. The two key preconditions for long-run stability, then, are a credibly independent central bank and federal solvency, both of which seem to be within U.S. control. Yet this is too simple. Nearly all analysts seem to assume that the U.S. fiscal position can be determined independently of decisions taken elsewhere. But if the U.S. private sector were to deliverage over a long period and so spend substantially less than income, while the rest of the world wants to accumulate dollar-denominated assets as reserves, the U.S. government would naturally emerge as the borrower of last resort, as it has done. A corollary of the Triffin Dilemma is that the international role of the dollar could make it hard for the U.S. to manage its fiscal affairs successfully, even if it wanted to do so. So I arrived by a somewhat different route at the same conclusion as Mr. Bergson. The global role of the dollar is not in the interests of the U.S. The case for moving to a different system is very strong. This is not because the dollar's role is now endangered. It is rather because it impairs domestic and global stability. The time for alternatives is now.